podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Walk Pod. Good to have you all along with us tonight. I'm joined by my co-host Ian. How are you getting on, Ian? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm delighted to be back in sunny England. Holidays are not for me, I can tell you that much. And as always, with us is producer Matt. How are you getting on, Matt? Yeah, I'm doing really well, thanks, Holly. It's been a busy couple of weeks. The Chelsea away, the Gillingham at home, etc. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm doing really well, thanks. That's great. And as as you say, it has been a busy couple of weeks and we should jump straight in, have a look back at, you know, the two games that we played, as well as all the other news around Kenilworth Road this past week in our new segment, I Heard It Through Rowan's Grapevine. Firstly, we have to apologize that there was no post-match space last week. Um, I was tied up in all the horrendous uh, airline issues that that caused a standstill over the airspace last week. And Ian's moving house, so his life is pretty much upside down. Other than that, let's start off with some one-word reviews following the match against Chelsea. An overwhelming amount of people said learning and improvement. And that was across Facebook and Twitter. Sue Harrington said fans. Gav Carr said togetherness. And Tom Mollett said expected. So Ian, which of those really stands out for you regarding the Chelsea game? Yeah, I think I think I've said this in uh, post-match thoughts on Twitter. I think at this stage of the season, we are going to be learning a lot. I think uh, that was evident on, on Friday night. And I think we'll continue to learn a little bit more over the coming weeks. But it's not going to be a quick transition. And I hope people aren't expecting it to be so. I think we've we've got to get to speak quickly with the speed of the Premier League and what the challenges are. But the squad's in transition as well. So it's a, it's a difficult one to juggle. Um, and I think I said previously, you know, that transition we had from League One to the Championship was a hard one. Um, this is going to be equally so, if not more. So I think learning would be the the word for me. Yeah, we were really put to the sword and we were dealt a lesson to learn right there. Um, some of my thoughts from the Chelsea game, uh, I was watching it with Spanish commentary in a bar in Mexico. I was surprised we were pressing so high and we were under pressure for the first 15 as expected. I don't want to go too harsh on this, but what were your thoughts, Ian? I think it's just the mistakes we need to cut out. We need to learn when not to be naive. We need to be brave. I don't want us to eradicate that part of our game. I think we need to continue to be brave. We continue, need to continue to press and play the game that we want to. I think Rob's trying to instill a little bit more of a passing game at the moment. For me, again, it's just transitioning at the moment, and that was evident. Um, against Chelsea, I think I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've been 
finding solace in. I, I, I find myself repeating to myself under my breath, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll have to address this later in Transfer News, but one of the things I noticed that Bell was kind of at fault. He didn't have a great day, to be honest, and he was at fault for, I'd say, both of the first the first two goals. Raheem Sterling had his way with Bell that day. Um, it's it's a shame to say that, but Bell looks exactly like what he is, a player that has not had a break in two years. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's, it's a difficult one to judge, isn't it? Because I think you're right. He's had a lot of football, intense football as well. Uh, we've looted in the last two years. We've had two playoff campaigns and he's had the, the cup with Jamaica. He said he was ready, but you know, he has played a lot of football. But then the contrast to that is, you know, Sterling's a very good player. Obviously, levels above the, what, what we've got to offer. So it was always going to be a challenge, um, whether he'd had a rest or not. But I think it just just posed the question, do we give him a couple of weeks off or do we wait till the international break? Can we give him a couple of weeks off? we got no left centre-backs right now. What's, what's the alternative if not? Do you give him one week off? I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? Should you know? Did he get enough of, enough of a break after we uh, cancelled the Burnley game? It's a difficult one to tell, isn't it? But sometimes needs must, isn't it? And you just move people across, or you know, however you want to do it. Mads can maybe squeeze in there just a bit for for the bigger picture. I don't know. It's a hard one. But, Listen, but you're right in what you're saying. I think Ian, mate. Mads isn't doing quite the job that we're we're hoping for at right centre back. I don't want to see no, him no. at left centre back. No, and I and I fully agree he isn't. But it's the bigger picture, isn't it? Do you do you look at at resting him in certain games and take the hit, and then get a fully fit Bell back? It's just just juggling it for the bigger picture. We we know the situation we're in, um. So you got to look at the bigger picture. I think you got to yeah. be brave and say, well, actually. Do we do we rest? You know, West Ham are doing really, really well. Um, they're second now, aren't they? I think, as at the time of speaking. Do we rest him for that? I don't know. It's difficult. Well, international breaks coming up. Uh, I haven't seen the Jamaica squad. I don't even know if they've announced it yet. But perhaps we could keep him out the squads. I know that has been a thing that's happened in the Premier League in the past. We can say he's injured, and then he makes a miraculous recovery for our next game. But for the third goal, would you say Lockyer perhaps should have cut out the cross for the third? Yeah, I'd say so. It's difficult to not to try and not be too harsh, isn't it? Because like like we previously said, we are learning. We are trying to adapt to the game. And I think it's them types of situations where it is actually probably an error um, that we're going to learn from. We've got to go through it to come out the other end. We did it in the championship and we learned from it and we, and we got out the other end. So we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah. It's a difficult one to pin it on locks, but he was potentially at fault. Well, I, I know it's like a tough lesson for all of us to learn. And I was having this uh, discussion with Phil, one of our writers, earlier in the day. I don't want to get into that sort of area where a lot of the, you know, our older fans who saw us playing in the 80s and, and beating teams like Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal. I don't want to get into that realm. Whereby I'm saying, oh, we, you know, we should be beating these teams. Why aren't we beating these teams? And I sort of came to the realization that us 90s fans, the fans that are slightly younger and started supporting Luton in the 90s, are sort of more grounded and more laissez faire 
we're more realistic and we realize we might not stay up like let's just enjoy this season let's see if we can take a couple of scalps and we'll try and push through and try and stay up but you know we potentially could be fine but what i saw were shades of brighton whereby we made changes to chase the game and we, we just got punished we just had our pants pulled down on the pitch yeah it's just individual errors at, at certain points the thing is for me and and i, I hear what you're saying about um the generation of fans and the ethos of, of way we see it going this year i think the important thing is just stick behind the team you know we, we will get beat there will be times i i think there's a realistic realistic chance of staying up providing we finish off the, the transfer window in a good fashion and eradicate some of the mistakes I, I didn't think that the first few games were ever, ever going to be easy. It's going exactly the way that I thought it would go with the first few games, and it has. If anything, it's probably, in patches, surprised me how well we've played in patches of the game. And it's just about making them patches longer, managing the game better and eradicating them mistakes. And then we'll become more competitive. But we've just got to stick behind the team. It will come at some point this season where sections of the fan base will become frustrated. You know, that's, I suppose that's the natural instinct of a football supporter. It's how we deal with that, I think. We're pretty good on, on the channel in terms of always sticking behind players and being a bit of a happy clapper if you want to be labelled that. But at the end of the day, it's just about supporting your football club and, and getting us through the tough patches. We did it when we got to the championship. We did it in the conference. And we could do it again. We've just got to manage that. You know, it will come. Your friend's a bit next to you. Even my dad was complaining about Cruel last night at Gillingham. I'm just like, for God's sake, let, let's just think the bigger picture. Those moments will come where frustrations will creep in and it's just how we manage them. Yeah, we, we've all got to remain positive and just remember where we've come from. Remember the roots. Just think back 10 years ago. I think that's uh, that's all for the Chelsea game, really not too much to digest now we just need to look forward not backwards and let's uh have a look at some transfer news we were linked with isaac hayden and he was in for a medical and contrary to what rob edwards said where he said a deal couldn't be reached our sources have told us that it's it's more likely that it's actually a case of a failed medical the mri says a lot when you look at his knees also a bit more news that is a bit frustrating we are not signing axel twanzebi although he's been training training with us for the past few weeks uh, his wage demands were actually extraordinary uh, allegedly he was looking for eighty thousand per week and it's most likely he'll go to saudi arabia where someone will pay him a king's ransom by all accounts he was very good at training though described as a beast what are your thoughts on those two bits of news ian yeah isaac was a bit of a weird one wasn't it i didn't say it at the time because you you never want to kind of be skeptical about a signing but you know the, i think the fan base were pretty much in sync in terms of saying it's a bit of an odd one for us obviously a, a risk and does he fit us you know i suppose that that one's now it's all done and dusted uh, you know i kind of agree it was a bit of a weird choice for me but you know the uh, recruitment team are good they don't let us down often so they must have seen something or wanted to recruit him for a reason and he's obviously been a player at some point um, and we have got players through injuries before. So it's a bit of a difficult one. I wasn't that excited about him, but Twanzebe, I just thought that he might be that little bit of quality at the back that we need, that athleticism that we need at the back as well, that can provide a bit of stability. So that's a shame. His wages were always going to be high. 80 grand is a bit peak though, isn't it? Jesus. Um, you know, if he doesn't want to join and he doesn't want to take a chance, then that's up to him, but we're not going to you know, break the bank to do so. Always going to stick to that no trap doors policy, I guess, and none more so in that situation. 
we really have been pushing out the boat and testing the wage structure this season with some of the names that we brought in. Um, and even when we were offering Ainsley Maitland-Nard 35k a week, which by our standards is pretty extreme, one would imagine that Ross Barkley is probably on something quite similar to what we offered Aisley Maitland-Niles, possibly a touch more. The club would have had to have really gotten creative to, to get Barkley in. But another one we've been linked with who actually has more reasonable wages is Rob Holding. Although Rob Edwards came out and said, oh no, it's uh, it's just a rumour. Like There's nothing nothing to be made of that. His agent was actually don't believe at him. the game. Yeah, don't believe Do him. Do not believe him. He's just trying to keep expectations down. Rob Holding's agent was at the game at Gillingham last night. Um, and realistically, something that's actually quite funny, considering Rob Holding's done a lot more in the game, his wage expectations are around 40000 per week, as opposed to Axel Twanzebe's 80000 Would you, I'd take Holding. I, I would just take in Holding over Twanzebe. Um I know you probably wouldn't agree with that, but I would have done. I, I like Holding. Um, I'll be I'll be pleasantly surprised if we were, were able to tie him down. You know, it'd be a, it'd be a great loan, and you know, obviously, we're never going to get him on a permanent, but he'd be great. Who would you rather take over Tonsebi and and Holding? I take Holding. Uh, not not down to footballing ability purely because since Danny Hilton and Cal Naismith left, we we have a distinct lack of people with hair transplants playing for the club. It's an unrepresented minority. I mean, that's as, yeah, exactly. That's as reason as any, I guess. Yeah, well, I'd take Holding purely because he is a good player, but he'd be just one of the players, and I think he'd he'd do well in that that second loan spot. Another one is Tedan Mengi, who uh, has gathered quite a bit of pace today, firstly from Mike McGrath, and then uh, Fabrizio Romano even got in on the action. He loves those big six clubs. He only reports uh, transfer stories that come from one of the big sixes. I tweeted about him earlier, uh, potentially coming in. It looks like that that deal's pretty much done. I'm not going to pretend to know too much about him, but someone did quote tweet it and say, um, and list all the former Man United stars that we were trying to put together a a Man United Carabao Cup team, (laughs) which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, that's not a bad Uh, point. But yeah, I don't know too much about him, to be honest. I've obviously looked since we've, um, since he's been mentioned. Obviously, he's, he's... He's he's had his derby stint and and Birmingham again injuries held him back. I guess that's you know if we want a little bit more quality, there's some trade offs with certain things and you know the people that without injuries with certain quality, people have already either snapped up or their wages wage demands are quite high. So I guess there's there's little little trade offs with gambles going on, but um, interesting one. They're not just going to take somebody that I think there's going to be a flop. So. And he's probably coming recommended by Chong. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned his injury report. Someone where it's been going around the Luton fan base on Twitter today, where where people have shown his injury record, just four hamstrings in, in, in what, four seasons. Four hamstrings in four seasons. That Reese Burke gets through four hamstrings in one season. Well, if anything, we're trading up here. It's yeah, a valid point, to be fair. Yeah, that's not an injury record at all. That that's absolutely fine. I think he'll fit right in our back line. That's just a niggle. Yeah, just a niggle. Let's have a look at some Gillingham chat then, shall we? Some one word reviews across uh Facebook and Twitter. Hatters Steve. Next Mam underscore MDH. Friday. Paul Wright. I included this one just because he he's made it into one word. A work in progress. 
and Jago 2012, wet. There's not really much to digest about the Gillingham game. It's Carabao Cup against a League 2 opposition. I guess the more things that we can talk about for the Gillingham game were the, the pre-match experience, the bobbers opening up, which was significant. And it was really funny seeing the rain come down and everyone sitting in the bobbers sort of charge to the back of the bobbers to get away from the rain. Like potentially they, they need to put like a roof extension on there or something. Everyone was getting absolutely drenched. But we had a chance to have a look around the uh, redevelopments. Like, Ian, I know you weren't there, but producer Matt was. Matt, what what were your thoughts about the experience pre-game? Firstly, I've got to say, it was really good to see you there. Um, Thank you. We had a great time. Uh, I went to the Kenny Henny. I I like what they've done with all the new concession stands. Um, They've got 12 new tills there out the front where you can get beers. So at half-time for example, it makes it a lot easier to deal with the amount of people going out in the queue. Uh, the food was really good. I was honestly surprised by, I think I said to my friends, I, I'm impressed to have food with flavour at Lutontown Football Club. But no, it was, it was really nice. I really like what they've done with the area outside the, the Kenny end. Yeah, well, the cheeseburgers that you'd get last season were a crime against humanity. Yeah, but however, Norms Norms was always there. Oh, you know that's yeah. got to be noted. That was always flavour there. But but it's good to have a, a varied options, I guess. And I'll, I think we spoke off air as well. You were telling me about the the new beer selection, which is the most important part of any revamp, really. Which is great news. What was the beer selection, Matt? Yeah, I, I was actually this is something that surprised me because when I went to the uh, catering test group last season, they said they weren't going to be able to get neck oil in. Uh, which is all owned by Heineken, which are the guys that support us or produce the beer for us in the ground. But they had Neck Oil outside, they had Chris Campo, they had Foster's, and then you had the Coucher Brewery uh, next to Norm's that was doing Real Ale as well. Oh, yeah. That's just, that's the probably the best news I've heard from the refurb so far, really, because the warm pre-poured beer from, from last season just does not cut it for me. It would be more tempting for me to go put a bit more money in the till before the match. Have a couple of pints before get before the game. So that's really good news. One of the best things was the fact that there were no pre-poured beers. They poured my beer fresh, and that was nice. But let's talk about yeah. the game, shall we? Uh, it was a solid debut from Brown. He took his goal very well, opening up the scoring just after two minutes. What did you think of Brown from that game? Have you managed to watch back the game, Ian? Yeah, uh, well, well taken goal. I think obviously Dowett is, um, as you asked the question, was 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 very very good. I don't think I can label it the the best goal that was ever scored from a free kick at Kenilworth Road. I think it's got to be Ashley Grimes from the Oxford. I think Buncey said it on Twitter. Yeah, that that's my favourite ever free kick. Obviously the sentimental ones with Moncur, but that was a very good free kick for me. Just not just the placement, but the power on it as well. He just rifled it in. Unbelievable, really, um, and you could tell from his relief and the fr- the frustration that came out in his um, in his celebration. You can tell he wants to be playing, and that's the kind of attitude that you want. It's hard, and it, there's been a lot of calls for Darity to start. It's, it's it's a tough one. It's a, it's a, it's a great conundrum to have um, with both of those two. I know um, Giles has had a, a few off moments, but um, he's been good overall, and his delivery is very good. And Woodrose was really good as well. Taken, he didn't he didn't rush it. 
he sat back and he he kind of half followed it into the the top corner. That was a well taken goal as well. It, he seems to always take them types of chances really really well. Didn't rush it. Well taken. So there's a few good goals there. It's just a shame about the leak in the other two, but these things happen. And 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 Gillingham have been on fire actually this season. So you know you can't grumble too much. They knocked out Brentford last season as well on penalties. So. Just one of those things, but it was a. It's nice to get a win under our belts, especially with the um, homecoming to the Kenilworth Road after the revamp. So um, I'm glad you all enjoyed it uh, and didn't get wet because you weren't sat in the bobbers. <laughs> that Alfie Doughty free kick. I was sitting right in front of it because our main stand blocky. No one in that stand expected that to go in, and it was sensational. For for a Carabao Cup game, I felt the atmosphere was very flat throughout. But when that went in, the, the Kenny was bouncing for about and a couple of minutes. Like I hope we do when, when well, West Ham come. I hope it's uh, more of a bouncing atmosphere. My my uh, my lad, my fifteen year old lad Spencer went last night, and uh, he said that the um, the Gillingham fans were very good. They were, um, and Anna's not so much. And I said. Yeah, and I said, well, look, you know, we're a Premier League team now. That's probably a, a biggish day for them. I know it's only the Carabao Cup, and that's the Carabao Cup for us. And, you know, on Friday, it's going to be a, a lot different. Obviously, he was there for Sunderland and whatnot, so he, he knows what it can be like. But he, I think he was a tad surprised it was a bit quiet last night. It is what it is. Most of our Carabao Cup games are like that, to be fair, um, until you get to the last stages, which we haven't done a lot of in the last few years. So that's our first win since 2020. Is that right in the Carabao Cup? Yeah, it was, I was actually really shocked that we, we beat a League 2 team. Because normally in the Carabao Cup, you know, it's a League 2 team that dumps us out. Uh, their first round game was against Southampton. They beat Southampton 3-1. So they had every right to mm. be bouncing. And the Gillingham fans were phenomenal throughout. They made so much noise. They were saying that they were seeing football in a library. They were giving us a lot of stick and fair play to them because there were 9,000 of us. And we were very silent for the majority of the game other than the goals. And I don't want to become one of those privileged Premier League teams where everything's a case of, oh, entertain, just sit back and entertain me. You know, the fans have to be vocal, have to push the entertainment, push the players on the pitch, be the edge. The thing is, though, it's it's not just about the Premier League. I think up until a certain point last season, we were quiet in games. And I don't know what it was, whether we'd just become a little bit too comfortable at Kenilworth Road. Um, and we were used to winning from the previous season. We had such a good home record. And sometimes when you win every game at home or most games at home, it can become like that until you have the meatier games like we did last season, i.e. Watford and Sunderland and stuff like that. I would say probably for the majority, we were relatively quiet compared to previous seasons last year. So I don't think that's going to be the case this year because we're in the Premier League now and you've got a lot of big clubs coming and a lot at stake. We're going to have to get them over the line. You know, that's going to be our job this season. So I don't see that happening. It was just a Carabao Cup game. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that brings me back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, fans from the 80s who have seen been there, done that, seen us beat all the big teams. We can't rest on our laurels. We can't get used to winning because also a lot of the newer fans, that's why I'm saying like fans from the 90s are peak because fans who have only been going for the last like, 10 or so years they've only seen the upward trajectory they they don't know what failure is 
because they've seen no failure. Well, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what, what the 80s, 80s fans wouldn't have been worried about either is a little bit of rain, to be honest. Spencer said to me, they should have built that roof out a little bit more because they got a bit wet in the bobbers. And I was like, when I was a kid and when the games I was going to, apart from Kenilworth Road, because we had roofs there actually, but most away stadiums and the, the away ends didn't have a roof. We were used to getting wet. That's just that's part and parcel of being a football supporter. You know, I don't know why we're worried about it now. Well, I guess we're all mollycoddled, aren't we? But that was all the news this week from Kenilworth Road. Now it's time for Discord and Telegram questions. Cheers, Ollie. Uh, yeah, time for the questions. Um, I'll go through these quite quickly. There's a few that I think can be answered pretty easily. So, Carl Gavigan from Telegram said, who are you taking in that left wing-back position? Giles or Doughty? Ian? Oh, just just touched on that, didn't we? Do you know what? It's actually a really hard decision. He's going to have to go on form, isn't it? And I'm probably swaying more to Doughty at the minute. I just think the confidence is a little bit low after Chelsea for Giles. It's probably a bit high for Doughty after that screamer. And you could just see that hunger in him after that celebration. I I think we've got to give it to Doughty for me. And that's nothing against Giles. He's going to have to grow into it, but it's a a tough choice. Okay, and Ollie? For me, I I, I believe that Doughty does deserve the shots, mainly because he's played in the system before. He knows what to do going back. He knows what to do going forward. But being controversial, I'd quite like to see both of them play. I'd like to see Giles play slightly ahead of Doughty, maybe sacrifice a striker. And that means he'll give us a lot more punch on that left side and also a bit more protection, especially while we have a left centre back who is absolutely gassed. Okay, next question was from Simon C on Telegram. He said, should Brown start against West Ham? Ollie? Yeah, I'd love to see Brown start. He looked really good. I see Ian disagreeing with me. Why are you shaking your head, bro? <laughs> Brown's Brown's great. Um, and, and you know what? He looks really good, but he doesn't replace what Adebayo and Morris gives us. I think he's very much an impact player for me. And I know people are getting excited about him and he works really hard and stuff. But it's just too early, I think, for him to be to be doing that he took his goal really well he played well against Zillingham but I don't think we're ready to displace either Adebayo or Morris at the minute okay next question was from DBDB on Telegram and they said statistically we are one of if not the only Premier League team to play two up top with recent performances and the midfield being overrun is there justification to go with a 4-3-3 with inverted winbacks at least a way where it's impossible to play with our style at this level yeah, I think we we know our system. Yes, we're adapting it at the minute. Um, you saw a little bit of that. Yes, last night against Gillingham. Short answer: No. Um, I think we stick with what we've got, and we just eradicate the issues and adapt slowly. I'd stick with it for me. Okay, Ollie. Yeah, I I think playing two up top really gives us a unique edge. Gives us two out balls that we can play. Those two up top. Elijah and Carlton, they work very well in splitting defences. Sure, it's been a baptism of fire. It's a new league for us. It's a learning curve. But I don't think there's that's grounds for throwing the the playbook out the window right now. I think we'll be fine. We've got to keep doing what we're doing, making the micro changes. Rob Edwards is obviously seeing everything that needs to be done. We've just got to keep going as we're going right now. I think it's absolutely fine. Okay, next question is from Texas Hatter on Discord. 
They said, what do you think of all the changes at Kenilworth Road and what can you see being further adjusted as the season goes on? I'm going to probably go ahead on this one. I think the changes are brilliant, what they've done in terms of access for fans and for away fans, etc. I really like the bobbers, the way it's set up. I like the dugouts. I like all the new concessions, etc. I think there'll be some more minor touch-ups as we go through the season. I definitely think there are uh, a few things that were left out of kind of making the major changes. Uh, for example, you know, like detailing, paint, fascias. There are a few things that could potentially be touched up to make it look a bit more professional. That's 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 my take. Ollie, what about you? Yeah, I think all that stuff is coming. Gary Sweet came out and said they're, they're going to be working on it continually and they're going to try and finish it during the international break that's coming up. So I'll go a bit off the wall. I'd like them to replace that panel in the scoreboard that died uh, during the game yesterday. And I also think that they need to um, make the the screen that's going to be underneath the David Priest, they need to make that much, much bigger because they have space there. Maybe they ran out of extra LED screens, but that's got to be much bigger from where it looked like. Okay, and Ian, I know you watched it remotely, but any thoughts? No, I agree with most of that. Um, regarding the scoreboard, yeah, it's just a pixel that can get sorted, can't it, or dead square of that screen, but um, we need to improve the graphics on that. That was an atrocious effort, to be fair. I don't know if one of the interns did that, but they need to get it sorted out. <laughs> it looks like we're in League 2. No effort's been put into that whatsoever. And maybe it's just because it was the first game in the test event and they've got something sorted, I don't know. But hopefully that changes. Yeah, just a little touch-ups everywhere. Penalty spots would be great. We could have some of those in. That would be superb. Not that we get awarded many, but... Um, Although I suppose it's our only goal this season, so I suppose we do. Um, but we didn't last season. Yeah, I think we just need to be wise with it. We're not going to spend loads more money, hopefully. We're going to be moving in three or four years, hopefully. So uh, just enough to see us through. It looks like most of the stuff's really there. So Okay, next question's from Jay Regnell on Discord. Do you think the transfer window's gone well? And where do you think we've lacked or failed in? And why, Ollie? I feel we could have got defenders in a bit earlier i know we acted quickly on mads anderson it might be a case of uh he hasn't been exactly what the club are looking for like in hindsight but i feel we probably should have worked quicker to get more defenders in although right now we're we're sort of waiting for bigger fish in the premier league to decide who is and who isn't going to be competing in their squads and then we can probably pick up from there i i think overall it's gone well. We do need two defenders as, as we record and potentially one more midfielder. Okay, Ian? Do you know, it's similar. Um, don't normally agree with Ollie, but yeah, I think we need to get um, defenders in earlier, really. I think we've left it a little bit too late, but I don't think that's probably any fault of our own. It's just negotiations and the way that it's gone. But I think we, we could have had at least one more centre-back in by now. Obviously, we need two. We probably need another holding midfielder as well. Well, we do. So hopefully we get we get them in in time, but we'll have to wait and see. That said, what we have brought in, and for the prices we've brought them in at, and wages in mind, I think we've done really well. I know no one's ever going to agree with that outside of our club, but I think the way we've improved our squad for the bigger picture and the longer term... It's been a good window. Okay. And the final question is from the Tsar on Discord. Alan Campbell. Keep, sell, loan. 
If Rob doesn't think he can cut it in the Prem, I'm in the loan camp and make a decision next summer depending on what division we're in. What are your thoughts, Ollie? I'm devastated if Alan Campbell leaves. I think he is such a Luton player. His running, his passion. Sure, he might not be technically the best player that we have, but he has passion, he has heart, and most critically, he only has one year left on his contract, meaning that if we do sell him, we're not recouping any of the value that he actually truly uh, has which is a big shame. But since Rob Edwards has come in, it appears Alan Campbell's fallen way down the pecking order. He only played last season because we didn't have any other options in the middle when when Pelly was injured. I think I'm devastated if he goes. I really am. Okay, and Ian? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not going to be devastated. I I do really, really like Alan Campbell. He's such a, like like Ollie says, um, he's a Luton Town player. He's got that type of aura about him. And he isn't the most technically gifted but i like i said last night on twitter that i always felt like there was room for improvement with him and i I still think that there's going to be ideally for me the answer would be a loan but you know bearing in mind he's only got a year left in his contract it's probably going to be a sell so it's going to be a real shame uh shame for alan campbell as well because he came down south to you know go to the premier league and it's lasted all of a couple of weeks but hopefully we can work something out if it's a extension of his contract for another year, I don't know. Great questions as always. Thank you, Matt. We'll see you again later. Now let's talk about some of the monthly giveaways from our sponsors. Beard Surgeon Beard Oil comes in a set with a wide selection of scented oils and moisturizer you can use together. Unlike other beard oil companies, Beard Surgeon used cannabis sativa seed oil as a key ingredient, which supports the skin barrier, strengthens your hair follicles, keeps inflammation at bay, and minimizes breakouts on your skin. It also makes your beard feel and smell excellent. We have a beard oil set to give away this month, which you can check out on our socials. You can also get 15% off on your purchase for Beard Surgeon Oils through their website by using the code WALT15. We have also teamed up with Blackstar Amplification, and as our audio partner, we are giving away a Bluetooth Fly 3 amp every month of the season. These Fly 3s sound great. They are also lightweight, they connect to anything from phones to guitars. So even if you're not a musician, you can have a boombox wherever you go. Keep an eye on our socials as we have lots of giveaways going on through the month. But Ian, why is this podcast different from all other podcasts? I don't know, Ollie, why is it? Because there's a joke in here. A woman is cranky because her husband was late coming home again. She decided to leave a note saying, I've had enough and I've left you. Don't, po- don't bother coming after me. And she hid under the bed to see his reaction. After a short while, the husband comes home and she could hear him in the kitchen before he comes into the bedroom. She could see him walk to the dresser, pick up the note. After a few minutes, he wrote something on it before picking up the phone and calling someone. She's finally gone. Yeah, I know. About bloody time. I'm coming to see you. Put on that sexy French nightie. I love you. Can't wait to see you. We'll do all the naughty things you like. He hung up, grabbed his keys and left. She heard the car drive off and she came out from under the bed, seething with rage and with tears in her eyes. She grabbed the note to see what he wrote. I can see your feet. We're out of bread. I'll be back in five. 
I've heard that one before, yeah. but that's really good. Or a variation of that one. Cheers, Matt. That was excellent. Well done. Now, let's take a look at our next fixture against West Ham. I guess we sort of glanced at this earlier. You said, Ian, they're second in the league and they've signed a ton of good players. I'm bricking it. How are you feeling? Confident. Is that too optimistic? I'm confident we're at home. We will turn the tide at some point. They have had a very good start, but I don't think they're unbeatable. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, You've got to be optimistic at the same time, but I think we can pick something up. I'm confident we can, but they've had a good start and well done because, you know, they're riding the crest of a wave after the European Cup that they won and avoiding relegation. So they've had a tough year last year. And do you know what? And it's worth saying is when they were down there, they could have easily got rid of Moyes and they didn't and they stuck with him and, and look what's happened. You know, it shows what can happen when you stick with a manager. Yeah. I don't want to be one of those fan bases who rides the back of a manager constantly because Moyes is a good manager as shown by leading them to a European Cup. and I. I feel the result hinges on the home fans making some noise, not getting on the team's back, believing, being optimistic, going into that game, making some noise. That that is what the game hinges on, in my opinion. Make it twelve versus eleven. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I mean, it, but it is going to be like that, isn't it? It's West Ham, Luton, West Ham. There's always been a you know a good atmosphere at those games. And that's what's going to make it a completely different game. Not only we will have learned a little bit, I think there'll be chances for us on Friday night. Um, and I think we'll take them. Uh, you know, it's going to be a completely different makeup to, to what we've seen previously this season. I'm looking forward to it. It should be good. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it, I guess. Just anxious, I guess. Um, but we'll never do score predictions on this pod because we are very superstitious. So let's wrap up this pod with a game of Hatter or Lower. This week on Hatter or Lower, we have a very special guest. It's Simon Oxley. How are you getting on today, Simon? Hello, nice to to be with you. Uh, Well, I'm delighted you're here. Thank you very much for taking the time out of out of your schedule what was it like up top the bobbers <laughs> um it's a great view um i have to say and the first time in all my years going to kenilworth road i'd ever watched a game from from that side um from from that side and it was un- unusual to be saying in commentary playing from left to right attacking the oak road end um because previously of course left to right would have meant attacking the kenilworth end so it's um you know quite a difference in uh, in many ways but it's uh, it's a great view um all the uh, um all the technology worked uh, the power was on um the rain wasn't too bad um and uh, yeah i'm 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 looking forward to it oh just you wait until we get into winter the elements are really going to be <laughs> testing then you get the bin bags ready so simon you you've been associated with the club for quite some time both with the bbc but i i really wanted to ask you about your time with the club in the 90s. So how how did you get involved with the club at that point? Well, I, I'd moved down um, to this part of the world uh, in the mid 80s and actually joined um, the Luton Herald group. Um, I had an interview at the old Luton Herald offices um, 
which ironically, you know, is on the land uh, or was on the land, which will, you know, form part of the new stadium. So I was in that sort of particular group of newspapers. I ended up uh, moving to uh, the old Luton Citizen, which has um, long since departed. So I was uh, covering uh, Luton for them and uh, obviously got to know other people within the sort of Luton media, as it were. And Ken Wilson, who was the sports producer at what was then Radio Bedfordshire, uh, needed somebody to cover a game. Obviously, I was going because I was there in a newspaper capacity. Um, and he said, well, you know, do you want to uh, do you want to try it out? Do you want to help out? So I jumped at the opportunity. So I got involved in sort of covering the club in that way, um, both for newspaper and um, and for radio. And then the opportunity came up to um, to work with the club in crikey, 1994. Um, so David Kohler was in charge. Um, I was there for three years, actually based at the club, and then a further year doing the programme. So um, four years in total. Oh, that's, a, that's amazing. Uh, they obviously weren't the vintage years, but... There were some absolutely fantastic players knocking around at that point. Yeah, there were, and um, it was um, it, it was an interesting time just to you know to be based actually within the stadium, and of course for you know, many years since um, you know uh, staff there have have done that, and of course now it has changed slightly because a number have been relocated with all the changes that have been uh, been made and the. Um, the old offices have been changed around to um, accommodate, you know, all sorts of things, be it hospitality or interview rooms. But it was it was a fascinating time. Um, you know, it was it was difficult on the pitch. Um, you know, they were um, not in the best of health uh, financially. Um, but at the same time, we had a lot going on with the uh, well, as as has always been the way with the new stadium and, and you know this particular um, part of Luton history. Um, you know the focus uh, focus was on uh, Junction Ten and the uh, and the and the Cola Dome um, as it was nicknamed. So you know it was a, it was an interesting time to be involved with that. Ah, oh, the Cola Dome. Simpler times, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I was going to say, it's changed so much yeah. in terms of, you know, just looking at, you know, the whole media setup, particularly as we go into this sort of Premier League era. Um, you know, what, you know, we, when I was there, we didn't even have, you know, there was no website. Um, you know, that wasn't the thing. I'm, you know, my duties included um, cl- doing club call during the week um, and producing a match programme and, you know, other bits of PR along the way. You know things like websites and uh, social media. You know, was it was in its very, very, very early stages, but not obviously anywhere near. Could we, you know, could we have dreamt the extent to which it's got to now? Simon, who is your favourite Evolution player in your time following the club? I mean, there have been a few. I mean, I wasn't around following Luton in his first spell, but when Mick Harford came back, that first game back where he scored a couple of goals, including the overhead kick, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was just, you know, a- astonishing. Um, but, you know, no more than people who'd seen him in the you know previous time it, it would, you know, come to expect. Um, I mean, I guess probably my favourite player during the 90s would be because of the would probably be because it was my favourite game as well. And ironically, with West Ham coming up, um, it's that uh, FA Cup quarter-final replay and Scott Oates. I mean, he scored a wondrous goal against Derby, I remember, um, running from the halfway line. But, the, you know, that hat-trick and that occasion, 
against uh, West Ham, I think was uh, you know one that will uh, will will live long in the memory. And he he was just you know he just there was just something in that time you know that he was uh, you know every time he touched the ball something was going to happen. Yeah, he also mugged off Dan Potts's dad for his hat trick as well. Yes, <laughs> he did. He did. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know whether they whether they the family will be coming the Potts family on uh, uh, on Friday. Um, I guess I guess they may well do because of the West Ham thing, and of course his younger brother's on loan at uh, Wickham at the moment as well. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't imagine that Steve Potts is going to want to come to Kenilworth Road. He's probably got some sort of PTSD <laughs> from from that performance. Well, yeah, that was yeah, that was it was an amazing night, and um, you know, I think that um, for me, having not been a, I did go to the '89 final, but not in '88 to the Littlewoods Cup final. But that sort of '94 trip to Wembley that that result enabled, I think, was um, was an amazing experience. Although. Of course, you know we look back on it now as being too much about the experience and not much of you know not as much as it perhaps it should have been about winning the semi final. Well, Simon, who is also your favourite current player at Luton Town? Um, I mean, I, I guess some of the new crop could you know become a fav, you know favourite players. Um, you know, I thought um, Tahith Chong was very impressive at uh, Chelsea. Um, like what I've seen of Kabore. I think you 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 can only admire I'm mean, Tom Lockyer I think has had some so many standout performances in just that sort of you know grit and determination um to you know to to get the result and to get the job done and obviously what you know what happened at Wembley and to have him sort of back in the side is 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 amazing um and Carlton Morris as well um I, I there's just a sort of there's something Something about him, isn't it? You know, he's um, he's got a. There's a bit of a swagger there, not an unpleasant one, but there's a bit of a, you know. And I, th- I think if he can, um, you know, harness that as well as step up and you know get some goals as well, I, you know, I think he could be a real force. Carlton Morris is is a big favourite for everyone. I see what you mean about that swagger. It, it's good that he has that confidence. You know, I think um, you know he has had some um, some hard times with injuries, and he's. You know, done his time in lower leagues and loan spells and this, that, and the other. So, as a lot of them have, I think there's a there's a whole group there, um, and you know, those who are coming in as well, you know, feel that um, you know they've they've served their apprenticeship, um, and you know, this is an opportunity for them. Well, shall we get on with Hatter or Lower? Shall- mm. Fancy it? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, a bit about Hatter or Lower, and I want everyone to play along at home as well. Hatter or Lower is powered by Hatter's Heritage, a website that does the important job of preserving the history of our club. They always need volunteers. You can check them out or get in touch by Googling Hatter's Heritage. And that's exactly what I've done to get the names and appearance totals for 20 Hatters. And I will be asking Simon who played more, player A or player B. And then Simon has to guess who made more appearances for the Hatters and try and get as high up on our leaderboard as possible. And you can check that leaderboard out on our website. It's now time to play Hatter or Lower. Simon, are you feeling confident? <laughs> well, I've set myself up for a fall here. I'm actually choosing the decade, haven't I? Chosen the 90s. So, uh, yeah, let's, um, let's see. I mean, yeah, let, <laughs> let's, uh, let's bring it on. Go. All righty. Well, I'm we starting you off nice and easy, okay? Who played more? Kerry Dixon or Gary Doherty? 
Oh, God, now. You say it's an easy one, Dixon. I'm going to say Gary Doherty. Incorrect. Uh, Kerry Dixon played oh. 88 times. <laughs> Gary no, Doherty, Gary 83. Oh. It's a tight one. Very tight one. It's... Because up front and defense, and defense, he could have been a bit of both. I thought he, uh, right, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, they Great just start. stick him up okay. top, didn't they? Because they they realised he could mm. finish his chances mm. as well. Right. Yeah. On to the next one. Who played more, Phil Gray or Mark Steen? I'm going to say Phil Gray because there were two spells. Correct. He did indeed play over two spells. Phil Gray, a total of 161 appearances. Mark Steen, 107. Also over two appearance, uh, over two stints at Luton mm. Town. Okay, on to the next one. Who played more, Trezor Candle or Ray McKinnon? Oh, Trezor Candle. Um, McKinnon. I think it may have been Candle because he, he was often coming off the bench. McKinnon, how do we call him? I'm going to say Candle. Incorrect. Trezel Candle played 26 <laughs> times for Luton. Ray McKinnon, 41. No. Don't worry, no, there's plenty okay. of time here. It's out of 10. Yeah, plenty, plenty of, time. of time to get even more wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Who played more, Ben Roberts or Kent Carlson? Um, Roberts goalkeeper, uh, Kent Carlson. I can recall. Didn't I can recall? Did he have one really good game at QPR? Was that that was Kent Carlson, wasn't it? He did indeed. In Ricky Hill brought when, him um, in. Yeah, and he played really well in that cup game when they they conceded an equaliser right at the death. Peter Crouch was playing. Um, oh, I'll say Carlson. There weren't many players around at that, and a lot of them sort of almost had to play because they were the only ones around. Carlson. Incorrect. Ben Roberts played 19 times for Luton Town. Kent Carlson, nine. It seems nine, as soon as Ricky nine. Hill was out the door, so was Kent Carlson. Yeah, he'd get, yeah, yeah. Who played more, Des Linton or David Oldfield? Des Linton was part of the fixtures and fittings, wasn't he, for a while, although then he dropped down to the bench. Oldfield played a lot of that Lenny Lawrence season when they got to the playoffs. Um, and of course, he had two spells, didn't he? So I'm going Oldfield. Correct. Des Linton played 104 mm. times for Luton Town. David Oldfield, 178. Here's a big heavyweight one. Who played more, David Priest or Marvin Johnson? The look on Simon's oh, face here. I'm. He, he's, yeah. I can see the cogs turning. Me, yeah, David Priest would be. Marvin's played a lot, though. I've got... Um, Mar I have to say Marvin. Correct. he seems to be around forever. Yeah. He was around forever. You're correct. You're right <laughs> on the money there. David Priest played 395 times for Luton Town. Marvin Johnson, 439. It's a lot of games. It's a lot of games there. Mm. Now, from two heavyweights to two players who didn't play too many games. Who played more? Andy Kawamya or Landry Zahana Oni? Well, Kawamya. Remember Kawamya playing once at Blackpool? Did he score at Blackpool? Um, Lenny, Lenny Lawrence brought him in. Landry Zahana Oni. Kawamya didn't play that many games. Um, I don't think Landry Zahana ran. Andy, I'll go Kawamya. 
Incorrect. Andy Kawamiya played yeah. five times for Luton Town. Landry Zahana only nine times. Okay, next one. Who played more, Paul Dickov or Steve Claridge? Now, Claridge wasn't around for long, was he? Um, only played half a season. Dickoff. Claridge would have played most of that time. I'll go Dickoff. Incorrect. Paul Dickoff played 15 times for Luton Town. Steve Claridge, 20. They were both around for half a season. 20. Yeah, yeah. Who played more, Steve Davis or Steve Howard? Well, that's a good one. I mean, Steve Davis, now, he joined the club in about the same week as I did, um, along with Nathan Jones and Graham Alexander, uh, because there's a photo of all of them together. Were you in the photo, Simon? Johnson, I think. I wasn't in the photo. I I was probably stood there when it was taken. Um, So that would be 94. He was around a long time, Steve Davis, but so was Steve Howard. Davis sort of, I mean, they both were good injury records as well. So I would say Howard. Correct. Steve Davis played 173 times Luton Town. Steve Howard. 228. And now it's time for the final question. Who played more, Dwight Marshall or Tony Thorpe? Dwight is another one who actually that was, um, no, Steve Davis wasn't, Steve Davis didn't join the same time I did. That was the start because that was Terry Wesley's season, wasn't it? Um, when Steve Davis had signed. So I was already there. But because Dwight Marshall started a similar time I did because that was the first press conference I had to organise uh, was Dwight Marshall's signing and they were late getting back from the training ground and everybody was waiting <laughs> around for two hours and it was really embarrassing. Um, Dwight Marshall, Dwight Marshall, oh, he got injured at Sunderland, didn't he? And It was a was horrible injury. Um, mm, it was, it was, sorry, Dwight or? Tony I've Thorpe. off into Dwight mode there. Tony Thorpe, two spells. Three spells. I'm going to say Tony Thorpe. Three spells, yeah. Correct. With that one, Dwight Marshall played 155 times for Luton Town. Tony Thorpe, 192 across his three spells. Well, Mm. Simon, you've done well there. You have gone five out of ten, which takes you joint top of our leaderboard. Joint top. (laughs) That's not, yeah, that's... It's a tough game. That's not as bad as it was looking at one point. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, Simon, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, there's some really low ones in there. Yeah, there there, there are. Really some um, low appearance figures in there. But but you think they must have played, because you remember the names, they they must have played a good sort of 15, 20 times, but may not have even done that. Gosh. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and taking the time. Um, it was a very solid performance Pleasure. for you here. And uh, looking forward to uh, hearing you uh, against West Ham on Friday now. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there on um, on Friday, myself and um, and Jeff Doyle. Um, and then, of course, it stops again, doesn't it? Another international break. But, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, games coming up after that. Everton, I guess, is one. Not been to Everton for a long time. So looking forward to that one in particular. Oh, that's great. 
That's us done for this week. You can listen back to our post-match phone-ins across all podcast providers and our YouTube. Please check out our socials. We are Loose in Town on Facebook. We are Loose in Town on Twitter. The Walt Podcast on Twitter. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, Telegram, Discord, and Reddit. You can find all of these on our website, wearelooseintown.co.uk. Follow across all socials to be involved in monthly giveaways, including Beard Surgeon Beard Oils, Black Star Fly 3 Amps, and Loosen Town Shirts. Thank you all for tuning in. See you all next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.